All right, hello, welcome back to Train, Thrive, Grow. In this episode, I'm really excited because we have a special guest with us. Natalie Taylor is the owner of The Missing Inc., and she's a copywriter to course creators and online business owners who are ready to elevate their brands and turn their dreamiest clients into paying customers. Uh, we have such a fun conversation for you guys today, and I cannot wait to share it with you all. So here goes. All right, hello, Natalie. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Good. Well, I'm so glad you're here. And today for all you podcast listeners, we are going to talk about copywriting and some things that course creators need to know about building out their sales pages and generally writing good copy that is going to be super appealing to their audiences. So Natalie, why don't we need to get started? Do you want to tell us a little bit about your business and kind of what you do and the clients you work with? Yeah, absolutely. So as you said, I'm a copywriter and I own a business called The Missing Inc. And I work with really cool business owners all around the world. Most of them have online businesses and a lot of them are course creators. So I help people um, launch their memberships and their signature courses and masterminds and all that fun stuff with all the copy that they need and the strategy behind their launch. So things like sales pages and email copy and Facebook ad copy as well. Um, It's it's a bunch of fun. So that's, that's mostly what I do in my business. So you said you work with a lot of course creators and I guess, do you have any, um, do you have advice for course creators? Like what are some, what are some things you see people do a lot that maybe aren't so helpful for writing copy for a course page or a course sales page? Well, the number one thing that I would say, if you're writing copy by yourself, which I absolutely recommend if this is your first time launching, you definitely want to get a feel for what it's like to write your own copy and engage with your audience throughout a launch. Um, then the worst thing you can do is just rely on a plug and play template uh, because what makes sense for you and what makes sense for your audience may not be what that template lays out for you. Um, And so I kind of have five overarching points that I say that every sales page needs to hit. It's not a formula, but um, kind of think of it as a checklist and a reference for knowing whether or not your, your copy on a sales page, which is kind of like where all the money is made when you do a launch, um, hits all the points that it needs to. So we can chat through that if that's helpful. Oh yes, that would be, that would be great. Okay. Awesome. So I have a very dorky metaphor for this, but it seems to work well. I always say that when you are writing copy, especially sales and launch copy, um, try to think like a doctor. So very first thing that all great doctors do and the ones that are booked out and have a great reputation and a big wait list is that they are specialists. And that means that they have honed their focus um, and they solve one specific problem for one specific person. And this is something that you need to be super clear on before you even begin writing your copy. So if when you are uh, putting your course together, if you can't answer very succinctly who it's for and women aged 25 to 65 isn't an answer, it has to be a very specific person um, and solve a very specific problem for them, then it may be time to go back to the drawing board and definitely is it time to start building the course and writing copy just yet. So um, all great copy begins with having a very focused offer for a very focused audience. Um, and, And again, still part of that first step is knowing that audience really, really well. Um, because if your copy doesn't connect with what's happening in their life and what's important to them, then none of the tactics are ever going to work. Uh, so 
always make sure that as you're building your course and designing your course and deciding what you'll put in it is that that's based off real feedback from your audience mm-hmm. um, and that you're paying really close attention to how they speak about what they want, what matters to them and what their problems feel like because that will help you build something relevant. But that's also where really great and impactful copy comes from as well. So be that specialist, have a focus and know your audience really well. Um, and don't don't skimp on that. That's that's one of the things that um, I love that you speak about, Rachel, because it is it is so 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 important. Um, the second thing is to show empathy. Um, so one of the mistakes that I see people make when they write their sales page is that they will jump very quickly into making their offer. Um, but sure, they before they've really demonstrated that they understand their audience on the page, that they get what their audience is struggling with. Um, And if you don't show empathy in that way, then you won't be building trust. So when we say be like a doctor in that way, that kind of means um, would you take a prescription from a doctor who didn't take the time to listen to you and show that they really cared about your problems um, and asked you relevant questions? Probably not. And so that's why at the start of the sales page, I always say begin with speak to a relevant concern that your audience has right now and show your understanding of that, show that you have empathy for that um, and that you can really understand their situation, you understand what's happening for them and that you genuinely care about offering them a solution. Don't skip on that because without that, you don't have any trust. So is that done by like to maybe telling a bit of your own story, how you overcame a challenge? Are you like describing a situation that your audience is in right now? Like, what do you recommend for that? Absolutely. You could do either or both on the page. I know that's probably not very helpful, but that's because I really strongly believe that there's no one right way to do it. So if you have a super relevant story to your audience, like say you were your audience a few years ago, then totally you could tell that story and start with, that part of the story that lines up with where they are right now. Um, If that wasn't you, I mean, uh, you don't have to have walked step by step in your audience's shoes to give something to them that will help them. Um, Then you might just start by speaking about their problem and the nuances of that and just show that you get it. And it's something that will have them nodding their heads along and saying, oh, I'm dealing with this. This sounds relevant to me. I should keep reading. Cool. Good. All right. So just to recap so far, we have being specialized and showing empathy. Okay. So what is next? Yes. So the next one is um, to make a prescription. And so this is where you start to bridge the gap between where your audience is right now and that place of, I don't want to say suffering, but it's at least a place of frustration. Otherwise they wouldn't be motivated to solve the problem uh, that you help them solve. Um, And so this is where you start to bridge the gap. And so one of the things that I don't see many people do is that they don't necessarily explain uh, why their path forward is the one that makes sense for their audience. So if you've just painted a picture of the problem, then you need to paint a picture of the way out. And it's not quite time to introduce your course just yet on the page, but it is time to introduce your approach. So to give you an example, um, let's say if you are a fitness coach, maybe um, you are very big on helping people solve imbalances in their body. And that's something that other fitness coaches don't do. So before you introduce your 
awesome course, you'd want to explain why addressing imbalances in someone's body or their posture actually makes sense for that person based on the problems that they have. So this is, this is kind of where that education piece of sales copy comes in. It's really not so much about selling as it is helping somebody understand the nature of their problem and why a certain path forward makes sense. Because again, that builds trust and it helps your audience make an empowered decision because they can say, okay, I'm dealing with this. This is the way forward that makes sense. And then that next step, that fourth step is to actually introduce your offer. Step four is, it is again, so four out of five, we're nearly towards um, the end, sort of. Um, and that's because we've laid the groundwork um, of being specific and, and showing empathy and painting the picture of the way forward and why it makes sense. And then you make a really specific offer. And this is the part that most business owners are like, oh, I know how to do that because they know their course modules like the back of their hand they know what's included um, and so this is where you actually go through what's included in your offer you break down the modules and the most important thing to do here is to explain why everything that's included from the topics to the setup to the bonuses why they make sense and why they're awesome um, people tend to get into a habit of just listing out everything that's included that is important. People need to logically know what's included. They also need to know why that is important and why that will get them where they need to go. Um, so it's like classic features versus benefits thing uh, mm -hmm. that is really foundational, but something that we can never practice too much. Right. So it's not just like my course has 15 videos and 10 worksheets. It's why they have all these pieces in there and what the pieces are going to do to help you. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think, again, part of successful um, copy and successful launching does come back to course design. I know that you probably see this a lot, Rachel. Uh, people who are experts tend to build very meaty and all-inclusive courses when sometimes that isn't necessarily what's required to help someone solve a specific problem um, or even it can work against the sale because it can feel very overwhelming to see like a 60 hour 15 module course when maybe that's not the first step that your client needs to take to solve their problems so, right no exactly yeah. yeah we talk about that all the time that you really want to start with what it is that you like what it is that your learner needs and kind of that transition that they're trying to get through from that before to after and just don't put in stuff that isn't part of that if it's extra if it's padding you don't need that to be in a course because like you said it's just giving people kind of more than they're ready for at a certain point and more that then more than what they need to solve their problem Exactly. And it, it's always worth thinking about what is that, especially if this is your very first course and your very first launch, it makes sense to start small. So if you are a PR expert, maybe you don't need to write the Holy Bible on everything there is about PR, but maybe you can have a really um, short and sweet and awesome product on how to write a pitch that gets noticed and gets you your five first appearances. Like that's a really specific promise and it's digestible both for you as the creator and for your audience as well. Mm -hmm. And that means your copy will be better and easier to write too. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. So was there one more or is that? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm like losing Just one more. <laughs> Just one more. Mm -hmm. that, uh, so the thing is now that you've made that offer, the, the last thing that you can do is end the page and walk away. Because as soon as we ask somebody to take action, a lot of friction and resistance comes up where people say, can I really trust this person? Is this definitely right for me? Is this worth the risk? 
Um, and so this is the part of the page where you do everything that you can to reduce friction. So things like having a guarantee that you stand by and that you're proud to stand by as a business owner and course creator is something that can help people get through that door and experience change, get over that decision-making hurdle. So whether that's a refund guarantee or any other kind of policy that makes a decision feel safe for people, definitely include that. Um, other things like testimonials and social proof. So um, I, I think that's why there's so much to be said for working up to bigger launches. You can even do... Um, softer launches earlier in your business and in that course creation process so that you can get that social proof and those early testimonials so that when you do do a bigger launch you have some of that social proof on the page which is really important because your readers are asking have other people like me decided to solve this problem in this way and did they get results so things like testimonials social proof um, anything that you, that you can do to remove risk so that guarantee is really important as well and so really that bottom part of the page it's about making that decision feel as safe as you possibly can do you ever do things like kind of frequently asked questions, kind of, you know, with like typical objections that people might have, yes. that kind of thing? Yes, that was one that I missed. And you are so right. So that is the perfect point of the page to um, include frequently asked questions. And again, um, that section is a great place, just as you said, to include objections in there. So um, a really common one is, couldn't I learn this stuff online for free? Um, so it's not just logistical stuff, but, but you want to think through what are the objections somebody might have now that I've made that offer? How can I counter that in my copy and in places like a fact section? Absolutely. Okay. Oh, that's so good. All right. So we have a five-part sales framework and actually Natalie has a freebie that I'm going to share with you. It's going to be in the show notes. So all of this information kind of summarized in one place. So if you're driving or running or anything, don't have to write all this down. Um, but this is great. I think that'll be really helpful for all of you course creators putting together a first sales page. Um, another thing that I hear a lot from people too about writing copy is if you're just starting out, how do you like find, find your voice and what can you do to make your copy kind of more engaging, right? I think a lot of us learn to write in school where it's very just like kind of structured and organized, but not super personal. So what are some things we can do if we're new to the whole writing copy thing to start to be more conversational and things like that? Mm. It definitely takes some unlearning, um, especially if you've been to college, then you have learned to write in a certain way, with very big paragraphs and um, that kind of voice and, and even just how text gets formatted um, when we're used to writing academically is not how people typically consume content online. And so even though this isn't uh, the most fun answer, the truth is that it does take practice. And one of the best things that you can do is think, Whose writing style do I love? Um, and look at it to understand not how to mimic it because that never works out. But ask yourself, what is it about that writing style that I like? Like how long are the sentences? What kind of phrases do they use that um, I can start to incorporate in my own way into my copy? So um, push yourself to to reflect on what styles do I like and why does that appeal to me? How can I bring more of that, more of myself into my copy? And then again, it just takes practice. Um, so one of the things that, uh, I, actually, I would like to hear your opinion on this, Rachel. Um, okay. <laughs> I, 
I always say that if you have never really written online and you don't really have much content or practice creating content, then maybe it's time to practice that before you start launching your first course because one of the ways that you get to know your voice and get to know your audience is by building up that body of work by creating content and showing up consistently online (laughs) and it's a bit like going to the gym the first time it's kind of messy and a little bit weird but eventually you find a rhythm and and eventually you find a style that works for you and I don't know what do you think? That's my take. Well, that, that makes total sense. Actually, that's when I tell people if they ask me, hey, am I ready to start a course? Well, there's really like, and we actually talked about this a couple episodes ago, if you guys want to go and check that out. But there's sort of three things that you really want to have before you start building a course. And that's, you want to know your audience. And the other pieces, they have to know you. And then the third piece, obviously, is you have to kind of know what you're talking about and have that expertise, but you want to build up both sides of the relationship before you build any kind of a big product for them, right? Because you're not going to know, like Natalie was talking about earlier, that whole piece about being specific, right? You want to know who it is that you're talking to. So I think I think that's exactly right. And definitely, I would say get started when the stakes are low. Like you can be awkward and weird the first few times you post on Instagram and it's not really going to hurt your business in the long run. Um, But before you like start putting, doing something that's really a lot of time and effort, I think you're exactly right. Um, Figure it out when the stakes are super low and you're just getting started. Um, Another kind of great thing about being a beginner, I think is you know, sometimes we get frustrated as online entrepreneurs and we're just getting started and it doesn't seem like anyone is really paying attention to us. But that's kind of great if you write something and only 10 people look at it the first few weeks you're trying to do something. It's just 10 people. You can kind of use that and practice and, you know. Yes, I I completely agree. Um, and it's the, the best time to experiment is is in those early days and th- there's there's really no shortcut to that kind of thing and I always say that you know, it's not just building a course but building a business is a very iterative kind of process it's this constant journey of putting something out and learning what the response was like to that um, seeing how it felt to you and, and kind of what it takes to get you in your groove and what kind of conversational topics you feel really in your element speaking about and unfortunately Unfortunately, nobody can really prescribe that to you. It's something that only experience can teach you. And um, I found especially that when I work with people on their course launches, the work that I do with them is so much richer when they come to me with information from their audience through things like surveys and their own experience about what resonates because I'm able to take that and run with that um, as as the writer. And that's not just good for me. It's good for them as a business owner as well. Oh, that's so good. Yes. I love that. How did, um, I guess I didn't talk about this earlier, but how did you get started as a copywriter? Yeah. Oh gosh. Well, it was kind of a winding journey for me. Uh, I was working as a rehabilitation counselor in, in a previous life. And, and eventually in one of my roles as a business manager, I became very involved in the online marketing of one of the practices that I worked for at the time. Um, and that was my introduction to the world of online business as well. Um, because my supervisor was also a business coach and I, and I had no idea that there was this whole ecosystem 
ecosystem of business owners doing really cool stuff online and, and working virtually with each other. Um, and so after about 18 months of working with her inside her business, helping her grow her practice online, I began freelancing. Um, and, and that really took off um, when I started back in 2016. So about six months later, um, I left my full-time job and then began began running the missing ink full-time and it's kind of been a whirlwind since then it's been been nearly two years oh wow that's awesome very exciting yeah. cool. um you know a lot of um a lot of my listeners are maybe interested in getting to that point themselves right where they're leaving their full-time job so how did you how did you make that leave how did you decide it was time to do that well I was um I I, I was kind of forced to make a decision that I didn't even know that I was going to make when I began freelancing because uh, I, I I began freelancing when I still had my full-time job um, just because I, I wanted to see what it could be like to get paid for something that I was doing in my current role um, and and things really took off for me quite quickly it, it, it snowballed within those first six months of freelancing and so I found myself working really long you know 70 plus hour weeks between my two jobs and I was commuting as well and so suddenly I had this little business that was saying either you need to feed me or let me go um, and so I I took the plunge and and I went with it. So that's kind of what that was like for me. Um, and I think that that's a really perfect place to start as a business owner. Um, definitely, if you're looking to create a course without ever having served your audience one-on-one, -on -one, I would be very, very careful about how well you know your audience and their problems. And I think starting as a freelancer is a great way to build that foundational income through one-on-one -on -one services. And then as you really get to know your audience and you create a process around your work, you can start to leverage that through educating people online. And so um, for people who are going from zero to nothing, I would say that having a service is a great stopgap between that and course creation. Yeah, no, that's such good advice. You learn so much from, you know, it doesn't, it's not like how well you know your content, but then you learn so much from just like interacting with a few people in that really close, like one-on-one -on -one relationship. So yeah, totally agree. If there's any way you can, before you start a course, either make your course into a service, or if you're doing something that's more like a skill, like guitar or calligraphy or anything like that, you can also teach one-on-one. -on -one. I think that can be another really good sort of bridge if you're really just starting to get into teaching people, that can also work really well too. Yeah. And I think that one can feed off the other quite well um, because building an audience and getting to know your audience can take a little bit of time, um, but you can get one-on-one -on -one clients relatively quickly. And then if you know in the back of your head that eventually creating a course and teaching is important to you, then you can be very careful about collecting the right information about your clients and really getting to understand them so that you can accelerate that course creation process. Yes, no, exactly. I believe that is so true. Okay, so maybe switching gears here, another key piece where we all want to have really good copy is our websites, right? So maybe do you want to talk, I know you do some work on website copy too. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? Maybe, um, well, ultimately, I mean, it, before we even come back to the homepage, I think it's really important to ask the question of what your website needs to do for you in terms of the action that you want people to take. Uh, because it isn't just so much about what is said on each page, which we can totally chat about. Um, but if you don't have that foundation set of how you would like somebody to flow through your website and ultimately what action you want them to take, then you probably are going to be spinning your wheels when it comes mm -hmm. to what you say on each page. Yeah, so, that makes sense. 
Yes, yes. And so worth asking, do I want people to email me? Do I want them to book a, a 15 minute consult? Am I asking them to purchase a low touch offer on my website instead? Um, because ultimately what you say and how you structure your site will be dictated by those things. Um, but if someone is providing a service, then usually what we want to do is start those initial conversations. So you want somebody to, if you're a consultant, you know, to be booking an initial call with you, or at least reaching out to you by email um, and so when we talk about something like your homepage, uh, you may have heard of the grunt test before but when someone lands on your homepage, you want them to be able to know in just a few seconds who are you what do you do and what does that mean for me um, and so especially at the top of the page that's all about explaining the key problem that you solve or the top thing that you do and who for um, and if that is relevant to someone, then they'll keep scrolling and, and, and be curious about how exactly you do that, what those offers look like, and then a little blurb on who you are as well. Right. And I would guess for a lot of us kind of thinking about that user experience side with our website, we probably also want to think like, because I'm thinking, I don't think most people land on my website on my homepage, right? They're probably coming to my website either from Instagram in which case they go straight to, you know, a, a, like a freebie thing, or they're coming from Pinterest, mm. that they're landing on a blog post. So you probably want to think about that too, right? And kind of regardless of where someone lands on your website, you want it to be really clear right away, I'm guessing, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you made a great point. It is very much worth looking at your analytics and seeing where people are mostly entering your website, which parts of your website are getting a lot of traffic. And one of the things that I see people neglect a lot is, you know, how they structure their blog posts so that if someone is finding them on Google or through Pinterest, um, how are they getting to know you and your business beyond just this content? So are you telling them who you are maybe in the blog of the blog um, or are you offering some way for them to continue that relationship, say through some kind of opt-in um, or a very specific upgrade that you could um, ask for their email address for? Um, in exchange for that piece of content. And that, that, that has happened to me as a service provider. I have um, one blog in particular on audience research that um, I wrote uh, when nobody was listening to me and eventually it, it climbed up to be on the first page of Google. And so I get a substantial amount of leads through that post and then they get in touch with me through a little opt-in at the bottom of that post mm. and they respond to the follow-up emails that I send. So, um, and again, that's, that's something that I've optimized because I know that people are coming to me through that particular blog. And so you're absolutely right. It's worth thinking about that journey um, in terms of which page they land on and where you'd like them to go next. That's awesome though. Front page of Google. I guess that's, that's the, <laughs> that's the goal, right? With all the SEO stuff. So I guess that's proof that it works. I don't know. Do you have, um, what do you think are some of the most important things to think about when it comes to uh, search engine optimization? I would say that, like, again, um, before you start focusing on something like that, it is worth asking, is this the most high impact place that I can spend my time and energy right now? If you are a service provider and getting one-on-one -on -one clients is your immediate need, you may be better off, you know, building your network and making connections with people and having conversations mm -hmm 
then you are focusing on SEO. Um, but it, it, it over time has begun to work really well for me with a couple of select blog posts. And again, it comes back to knowing what your audience is interested in and then writing content that speaks to things that, that they may be searching for in Google. Um, and so it, it, it always comes back to having conversations with people mm -hmm. um, even if they're not your clients, one of the best things that you can do when you're early on in your business is just ask to have conversations with people who may be in your niche, maybe in your target market and get to know what they're curious about and what they want help with. And then you can begin to design services and free content and, and a course as well around those needs. So mm -hmm. getting to know your audience is a never ending project and something that you should prioritize in your business for sure. Yeah, no, that's so true. I think that's a really good point. You know, when I first started my business, I think like everyone, I was very concerned with like making my Instagram super pretty and building out my blog and all of that. But honestly, I think I got my first six or seven clients just from posting in Facebook groups, you know, responding to people's questions when they were asking things about course creation and things like that. So having those conversations is definitely really important. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. And doing whatever you can to hang out where your your ideal people are, are hanging out, whether that, you know, means that you're serving them in some way, just like you did and, and, and offering relevant, helpful info to people's questions. That's great. But if nothing else, you should at least be listening to what they're talking about and what's important and relevant to them. Because um, yeah, that's how business absolutely. is really, and that's how you stay relevant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it can work great. I think for selling courses too, like people who are going to buy from you as a new course creator are typically going to be people who know you. And there's probably, if you're brand new to course creation, I think there's like an even higher bar for mm. having people feel like they know you. And that can really get you over that hump, you know, of being new to the, new to the business of selling courses, maybe not having the huge kind of archive of social proof that some of the larger course creators might have. If someone has like talked to you and really knows that you know your stuff on this topic, makes them so much more likely to purchase. So yeah, so that's a good point. I think when we're first starting in our businesses, we, you know, it's important to really focus your energy on those relationships first. So yeah. Makes sense. Absolutely. That's um. I have seen a lot of people fill their online course successfully, not through doing a big fancy online launch or having a big audience, but just by leveraging their relationships and their community. So even though there's, again, I'd like to you think about this, Rachel, but I feel like as you're getting started and as there's so much talk online about building a huge email list and funnels and, and Facebook ads that when you're early on, the best thing that you can do is focus on relationships and that's where your first clients and sales will come from, especially in those early days. Yes, absolutely. No, that's so true. I think, you know, a lot of people, because creating an online course, it's not necessarily a super high risk thing because you can actually create an online course. I think when people think about online course creation, it feels like this really big, overwhelming project. But you can actually make it pretty streamlined and still have a product that's going to be really, really helpful for people. Um, you know, you can just do some slides, you can teach live, you can sell tickets to like a master class. It can be something pretty simple and streamlined as long as it has real value and you kind of get that like an audience pain point that you're solving and it really appeals to your target market. 
where people get into trouble, I think, is when they try to do like a huge signature course and they try to implement a huge Facebook ad strategy, like this whole, like, if I build this giant funnel, then people will come. But you're not like at a point where you're going to be able to get like a conversion rate and really say like, oh, if I spend X amount on ads, I will make this much money going forward because you just, you don't have like that audience and that background to really get you to that point. So yes, the first time you're doing this, make it simple. You can promote your product like going live on Facebook and Instagram. You can DM people, you can talk to people to really get your message out there. Instagram stories is amazing for promoting products when you're new. You don't need to spend tons of money on ads. And you definitely don't need a really expensive funnel either uh, because you're not trying to scale at this point. You're trying to get like your first round of proof, right? If you sell your course the first time to, you know, people that you've talked to in the past and you have a really good relationship with, well, then next time you get feedback from them, you make your course even better. And then going forward, when you have a larger audience, you can do all of that fancy stuff. It's not going anywhere. It'll still be there. Yes, absolutely. Um, if, if you are wondering if you need like to use messenger bots on your first launch, then stop. You have gone too deep into the internet black hole uh, because you're right on that first launch or even the, you know, the first one or two launches, you're not trying to scale yet. And in the same way that you speak about um, just taking a bite-sized approach to course creation in those early days, it's kind of the same with copy. So even though we haven't spoken a huge amount about what it takes to write an awesome sales page or all the awesome launch copy that could go into a bigger launch, um, know that in the early days, it is truly about saying something relevant and meaningful to your audience. And everyone who, I mean, Everyone who I have seen who has a big, a big successful course, um, and I work with clients like that, people who have multiple six-figure launches with their landmark courses, they started without perfect copy, but they began by offering something relevant and, and specific to an audience that wanted it. So same thing, how you design your course and then how you speak about it, it is something that slowly evolves and becomes more sophisticated over time. So don't worry about having the perfect headline if you're writing your very first sales page. Really what you should be worried about is if you're building something relevant and something that um, an audience that you have has actually demonstrated interest in and a desire to purchase. And then, and then you can start to build from there. Yes. No, so true. That's so important. You can just you know, get started and you can take messy action and just get something out there. And that's when you start getting feedback because that's the other thing. People think that they know what their audience wants just kind of intuitively. And even if you're, you know, 80 or 90% right and you have a really good sense, you always learn something. There's always things people tell you that just don't occur to you when you're just kind of thinking through things on your own. So that feedback is so important. Yes, absolutely. And as much as you can keep those conversations going, do it. Um, one of the things that I recommend to all of my clients and that we do once I've onboarded them is that if they haven't done it recently, then we do a survey. So we get to know the specific language that their audience speaks about their problems and what's important to them. And again, that's not just great for how you design your offer, but you, you can take that language and lift that and put it straight into your copy yes. because you know that that's it's as relevant as it gets because it came out of their own. No, out of their so own. important to use the language of your audience and make sure, and that also helps you like that you're selling the thing that your audience wants 
not necessarily what you think they want, right? Because that's, you have to know like what it is that's actually going through their minds when they're thinking about whatever problem it is that you're addressing. Oh yes, absolutely. And, and this is one of the, I, I mean, um, it's, it's, it's a very well-known problem that a lot of experts and business owners have. It's, it's the curse of knowledge. And it's this, and it's this point where you are such an expert in what you do. And even if you don't think of yourself as an expert, you have more knowledge than your ideal client does. And that means that how you think about the problem and how they think about it and speak about it are very different. So while you as an expert may know, again, to come back to that, um, fitness coach example, you may speak about um, fixing imbalances in posture. I mean, because that's your process and you're an expert in it. Whereas maybe your ideal client is a mum who is struggling to pick up her two-year-old and that's something that she really wants to improve or she's struggling to um, exercise and maintain her weight. Like, so the things that matter to her are very different than the process that you may explain and that you are an expert in. So things like surveying and speaking to your audience can get you out of that curse of knowledge and help eliminate those blind spots. And again, that's how you build something relevant and it's how you write great copy for it and communicate about it in a way that makes sense. Awesome. Oh, that that sounds that sounds great. I think that's super helpful. Before we wrap up here, do you want to tell us a little bit of, a bit more about maybe what what you do, what your services are, and how people can get in touch with you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you can find me online at themissinginc.co. I love a good pun. Don't judge me. Um, and all of my social handles are missinginc.co, all one word. And I love hanging out on Instagram. Uh, so primarily, I'd say you know, about 70% of what I do is working with course creators on launching their online course or membership. Um, again, definitely, if this is your very first time, hang out with people like Rachel and learn about how to do this stuff yourself. It's not time to hire a, a, a copywriter just yet. Um, and I also work with service providers and coaches and consultants to help them with their website copy and booking more clients online. So those are my services. And um, I'm also working on putting together uh, you may have guessed it, a, a course on how to get to know your audience really, really well so that you can build the right offers and um, speak to them in a way that makes sense. So I'll be working on that throughout this year as well. Oh, well, that sounds interesting. That's exciting. Nice. Yeah, fun stuff. <laughs> cool. Good. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This has been really fun. And I know you, my audience got a lot of good tips. Oh, awesome, Rachel. Thanks so much. I had a great time jamming with you. Good. Good. All right. Well, we will talk to you soon. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to learn more, you can find me on Insta at Train Thrive Grow. And don't forget to leave a rating and review for this podcast in iTunes. Talk to y'all soon. Bye.